Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Let's go right back into the recap. So last week, uh, after the announcement, I had a message planned that I didn't really get to, <laughs> to preach. So I am going to start there again. I'm going to recap a little bit. But we gave a challenge, and that challenge was, or, or I did, and the challenge was, what would happen, what could God do with a church, with a body of people that gave him a blank check for a year that said, yes, Lord, I will? What could God do with a body of, of believers that did that? And so I'm, I'll do a quick recap here. Um, and, and yes, in the ordinary allows God to do the extraordinary through our lives. And so we looked at, and we won't spend tons of time here because I did talk about this last week, but I want to go back to it because it's too important. You're going to hear about it lots this next year uh, because I really sense that that's what God is, is asking of us. And it's important if we're going to fulfill that mission, the Great Commission and the Great Command, uh, it starts here. But these were some of the regular, ordinary things that we can say yes to the Lord and do. And as we say yes to him, it actually allows the Holy Spirit to begin working through our lives, and he bears much fruit. That's what John 15 talks about. But uh, forgive 70 times seven times. Uh, seek forgiveness from those we've hurt. Stop doing blank. You'll see it on there. Spend daily time in the Word. Buy and sell with 100% integrity. Work hard at work, right? Also, be present at home for your family. Be there for those in need. I mean, all of those kinds of things. Rest and seek rhythm so you don't burn out. Uh, love your family and neighbors. Love your enemies. Make time for strangers. Show hospitality. And so on and so forth. Whatever else that comes your way. Be available is, is really what I was getting at. What would happen if we were available, we gave God our yes, and then we were available to those promptings that he gives? Because I believe everyone in here gets those promptings. Because he speaks to all of us. Question is, are we listening and are we willing to commit to actually responding to those promptings? And you know, th this yes, Lord, I will kind of is building right off of where we left off in, I think it was May and June a bit in July, we talked about first love. And going back to that discipleship target, that was all about starting in the middle. Keeping the first things first, starting in the middle, right? We love because he first loved us. So everything we do is a response to him. And so that's why we're starting with, yes, Lord, I will, because it really builds off of first love. The response to first love is now we take that step of faith, right? That step of faith, which is, yes, Lord, I will, followed through by action. We step forward and see what God can do. And so that's what we looked at a little bit last week, and this is a little bit of a summary. Uh, this week I want to go back to that and expand on it. You know, it's human nature to, to aspire to something more. I think that's in all of us, whether you're a believer or not. Uh, there is something in us. We, we want to live a life that matters. Everyone does. Some might, might aspire to greater things than others, but nobody wants to go to bed at night, and some people do, and it's, a, it's torment and feeling like their life doesn't count for anything. Everyone in here wants to live a life that counts. They want to matter. They want to matter to someone. They want to know that they're leaving an impact. That living and breathing is doing something, right? Uh, they want a, a legacy. Maybe if you're young, you don't think legacy yet. But as you get older, you start thinking legacy. Who's coming behind me? When you go to a funeral, you, you reflect on these things as you hear things said about the person who's passed on. And you think, what would people say at my funeral? And would they have to work hard to say something positive? Or would it flow from a heart that was grateful for the time that they had with us? You see, God put this desire in us. If you go back to Genesis, it actually says that we were made to rule and to reign and to have dominion over the earth. Interesting words, and we're going to actually unpack that later on in the series, so I'll leave it there for now. But we were actually made that way. It says we were made in the very image of God. It makes us different than any other mammal. Don't let anyone tell you that we're just another animal. We're not. We're not. We were the one creation created in the very image of God. We are image bearers. And so there's that sense of meaning, of importance. There's something in us. It's a desire that, that wants to aspire to more. And that's because we were made to live on mission. He's given us an incredible mission. We've talked lots about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And so th this is it. This is our mission field. Right? It's only as we give God our yes and say yes to him and yes to the mission that we can begin to actually find that purpose that he has for us. And this is a lot of that missions field that, that he wants to send us out into. He wants to give you purpose in here. And I think I've put this up here before. It's not the first time you'll see it more as we go forward. So building on that, 
I'm going to go back to our mission statement, and we talk about love God, love people, be discipled, make disciples. So now we want to look at how, yes, Lord, I will is the key to being discipled. Because being discipled, as you'll see, if I go back just one moment, being discipled starts in the middle. And it's not that we can't make an impact if you haven't been discipled at all. I mean, anyone with the Holy Spirit in them uh, can, do, can bear fruit for the kingdom. You'll start bearing fruit right away. But the, the quality of the fruit or the size of the fruit will change depending on where you're at in your walk, right? So being discipled is critical. We have to actually learn to break free from bondages, grow our character, all of those kinds of very, very important things. Okay, so yes, Lord, I will is key to that happening. So this is something I think we've talked about here before, and if not, I'll, I'll teach it now, and then uh, we'll keep talking about it again, because I, I really think, and the board said it last week, uh, we really feel like the gathered church, this is the gathered body. There's two functions of the church. We have the gathered function and the scattered function. And the gathered function is equipping. <laughs> equipping, that's one piece, and then there's corporate worship, corporate reading of the word, and corporate prayer. And I love doing all four of those things with you guys. It's a joy. So... We teach what we know. That's very important. Anything, you know, if I tell you something, cats are the best. Yeah, I said that. That's the first time as your lead pastor. Okay. I'll try to tone it down a little bit. Um, right, Len? Yeah, he's back there. <laughs> Just bugging you guys. Anyways, we teach what we know. Okay, so I, I can tell you cats are best. You may or may not agree with me, but you could teach that. You may not feel it though, right? And, and you may not transmit it. So if we go on from there, you know, if I taught you, uh, I, I can teach you how, I mean, I could teach you what I know about flying. I've never actually done it. So I could teach you about flying, that we can fly. There's something, you know, you pull back. I don't really know what happens. You go down a runway, pick up speed. There's flight, something happens. My dad could tell you, he flies, right? Air takes you up and then you fly around and it's fun. Okay, you, you can teach that and you can kind of get it, but it's not going to translate into, I couldn't describe to you how to fly and you go out and fly a plane. I can train what I've done. The parts that I've done, I, I could train you in maybe. Um, but the, the next part, and this is the most important part, and that is we disciple or impart who we are. This is why the being discipled is so important. This is why your relationship, well, this is one of many reasons why your relationship with Jesus is so important and that you're cultivating a deep one. You've never arrived, trust me, we've never arrived until we stand before Jesus face to face. Until then, we are cultivating and deepening that relationship with him. You can't get enough of him on this earth. Because the more time we spend with him, the more we will become like him. And the more we become like him, the more fruit we can bear for him in bringing others into knowing him as well. And that's critical. So this is why it's so important that we are being discipled. Because you can, you can grab a truth. You know, the devil uses truth out of here. But it's not a part of who he is. He tried using biblical truth. He tried using Bible verses against Jesus. And I'm sure he's done it against people in here. He'll try to use scripture to condemn you, to lead you away from Jesus. So that's why we have to be disciple out of who we are. Now, um, Second Peter, we're going to read this because it really just lines up with this whole idea of being discipled. And this is the one time I'll read out of my Bible here because I love doing that. I just love, this is a cheap Bible. It's got some coffee stains on it, loads of color notes. Don't you just love a nice worn Bible? I love the way this smells. Like I smell this every morning. It's the most wonderful thing. It smells cheap, but beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Okay, all right. For his divine power has granted to us, this is 2 Peter 1, 3, right through 11. And you know what? If you wanted to memorize this, this would be a great passage chunk to memorize. I, I would really encourage you on that. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Okay? So it's all because of him and what he's done. It's his divine presence and glory and grace that's given to us. That's the only reason we can, we can have what we need by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may became parta uh, become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, so, for this very reason, so what we just said, because he's done this, our response, remember? He does, we respond. That's what we talked about in first love. It's no different. This is all throughout scripture. Because of this, this is our response. For this very reason, make every effort. Now we're talking about effort, so our effort matters. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? By the way, I was encouraged, actually, verse 12 isn't even on there. Maybe I'll just tell you what was encouraging me. I was, uh, as I was preparing the message today, I was actually, I reviewed, I, I, I'm taking something that's going to come up right away is from a message I preached 11 years ago. And I went back there and I was looking at the message notes. I just wanted the graphic and looked at the message notes and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a one-trick pony. I was preaching the same thing back then. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's always a sting on the pride. But you know what? Then you go to verse 12 here and look what Peter says here. He says, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have as long as I am in body, I will stir you up in way of reminder. I love that Paul did the same thing, same with Peter. They said, we're just going to keep preaching truth because truth is truth and this transforms your life. And if you know this truth, it will set you free. It'll put you on a path that you will never, ever, ever regret. So we preach it unashamedly. But anyways, I digress. Let's go back to here. So if we are worldly, individualistic, and treat others poorly, regardless of what we say, going back to that, we, we, we teach knowledge. You could, you could teach that verse... But if you live an individualistic life, if you treat others with contempt, you hold on to offense, you gossip, probably, like, I mean, the Holy Spirit can do a miracle. He can. He will. And he does. Hearts that want him will find him. But chances are your life is not going to bear very much fruit for the kingdom. That's just not how it works. Because Jesus, it's hard. You're not displaying what he is like to the world. There is a cost in following Jesus. There is, yes, grace is free. It's a, the salvation is a grace gift. Absolutely, yes. But it's a gift that requires an exchange. You are taking in exchange something you could never purchase, but you are giving your life for it. And so that's an expensive, it's a costly exchange. And if they look at you and you look the same as them or worse, it doesn't look as attractive. Now, it's not saying that we can't bear fruit. We can. Anyone connected to the vine, anyone connected to the vine will bear fruit, period. That's John 15. So you're a brand new believer. You connect yourself to the vine. You abide in him. You will bear fruit. So, but if we go to the next verse here, Matthew 7, 3 to 5, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? So there is a principle here on we are limited in how much you can do for others if you haven't first gone through a process yourself of being discipled and finding freedom yourself, right? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? For instance, you are someone, let's say, no one in here, of course, but you maybe know someone who struggles with offense. And, and offense is a tricky thing because, I mean, often people think they don't struggle with offense. You know what one of the best ways to see someone who struggles with offense? Listen to how they talk about people. How do they talk about people behind their back? Do they build them up or are they always tearing others down? Right? You can see that kind of stuff with gossip. So can you, you know, if you're, if you're gossiping and tearing people down and then right there, you know, in the same breath, you flip sides and then you're trying to teach the person in front of you how to love others, can you see how that's a problem? He says, first take the log out of your own eye, deal with your offense, then you can see clearly enough to help your brother with that speck in his eye, his or her eye, and help them also love. Okay, that's the whole principle that we're going over here. So, growing your relationship with Jesus, finding freedom, care, growing your character, maturing your faith, approving your marriage, working hard, serving others, becoming emotionally and spiritually healthy, we're, we'll talk lots about this going forward, uh, are all a part of this. And so where do you start? You start with, yes, Lord, I will. You start with a commitment. It's saying, yes, Lord, I will. So we have to engage in that problem. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're struggling with pornography. The stats would say there's probably a bunch of you in here that are struggling there. And you're loaded with shame. Even when I say that word, you're loaded with shame. And maybe you're sitting here and it's a different addiction. And you're like, oh, I'm glad it's not that. But you're struggling with a different addiction. So you just insert there in there, you know, that word in there. And it's that thing you're going to for life and you don't know what to do and you're, you're stuck and you've tried to kind of get freedom, freedom maybe a little bit and you want it to be gone. Where do you start? Where do you start? 
Maybe you start by telling someone close to you, surrounding yourself with a group of people that can help you. Maybe you start with fasting and praying. These are the kind of things we have to ask. See, see the point is we can't stay static. If you're sitting here struggling and all you've done so far is hope that, hope that it goes away on its own, you're not actually giving God your yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, I will, according to Amos 5, says, run from evil that you may live. For then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper just as you have claimed. Amos 5, 14 to 15, if you're wondering the reference. I didn't have it up there. That's what he says. Run from evil that you may live. That's repentance, right? Then God will help you, right? This is what we've been talking about last week and this week. You're going to hear it over and over and over again. A one-trick pony. I'll say it again. Yes, plus obedience or action allows the Holy Spirit to work through you, allows fruit to be born in your life. It really is that simple and yet that hard. That simple, that hard. Okay, so it's going to take work, but you've got to run from it. You know, you're, you're stuck. You keep falling into temptation because of your phone, but you won't lock your internet access. Is that run from temptation? Or is that hold on to temptation? Because the next part says, then God will be your helper. I'm not trying to go after just one struggle here because whatever your struggle is, I'm just asking, are you giving every effort? That's what scripture says. It talks about every effort for holiness and righteousness. Every effort to run. He knows you can't be perfect. We'll get on to that. What if your marriage is falling apart? You feel so lost, so betrayed maybe on the inside or rejected or abandoned or alone. You're upset at your spouse. Maybe they're upset at you and you don't know how to fix it. What does yes God look there? What if yes was like waking up early and you haven't been doing this? What if yes started with you waking up an hour or two even earlier and fasting one day a week, but waking up every day an hour or two earlier and spending time in the word, pleading with the Lord in prayer? We're like, yeah, yeah, I know those good things. Yeah, yeah, I know we're supposed to do that. But are we doing it? Are we giving him our yes? Is your marriage worth that? Is the call of God in your life worth that? Is the sacrifice he made for you worth that? He wants to bear fruit in your life. He says it in John 15. By this, right, that, that you may bear much fruit. By this, my Father receives much glory. <laughs> he wants to answer your prayers if you pray them so that you can bear fruit so that he gets the glory. He wants more people to know him. He wants to use whatever's going on in your marriage. Maybe you're overwhelmed, you're anxious, depressed, or empty. You just feel nothing. Maybe it's time to get people to surround you and be honest about how you're feeling. Maybe it's time to stop running that hamster wheel and, and put a stop on it. Like, what would happen in your life if you just, like, put a halt to half the things that you're doing and said, Lord, I'm going to sit at the foot of the mountain. I'm going to sit in here until you give me an answer. I think sometimes it's exposing a little bit of our belief, uh, our, our struggle with belief. You know, if I, we would do a lot of really stupid things for a large cash prize. Right? I mean, think about that. Like if I, oh, shouldn't use that example. This is why I stick to my notes. But if, <laughs> no one wants, you ever had a dream where you're standing in front of others in your underwear? Terrible dream to have, right? Okay, so you should never do that. That's an inappropriate thing, right? Young people, don't keep your clothes on. That's appropriate. But, right? If I said and I actually had $1 billion that I could give you if you would run across the stage in your underwear, I think there's some of you that are mature enough to still say no, but I think there's others in here that might just do it. Don't answer. No hands. My point is, that's ridiculous. That's so ridiculous, right? That's ridiculous. But yet, Scripture talks about making ourselves fools for Christ. Not talking about being inappropriate, but making ourselves a fool for Christ. Like, if we actually, like, why would we do anything for a billion dollars? Because we think it would change our life forever. See, I tell you, we have a belief issue, don't we? We have a heart issue. That's why we need to spend time with him. 
That's where it's going to start. What if we just went to the base of the mountain and said, Lord, I'm not going. If you're not going before me, I'm not doing today. I can't. I don't have what it takes on my own. The Lord loves faith like that, by the way. Anyways, picture. This is how it goes. Yeah. Remember this? Some of you will, some of you won't. I, I preached this in uh, 2011. This is the one I went back to. I'm like, yeah, look at that. Still preaching the same thing. At least I'm consistent in some areas of life. <laughs> All right, this is my point. So yes, Lord, I will. And this is what I, I want to make sure we understand. Because I know we start talking about, yes, Lord, I will. And we got to get out there and bear fruit. we got to be discipled, make disciples. And then, you know, you know what the first thing that we end up doing is? Comparing what that looks like to everyone else around us. So you might look at me and you might think, I'm better than I am, or you might see me exactly for the way I am, uh, right? We're all just pilgrims, right? Trying our best to please the Lord with our yes and to love him and worship him with our lives, okay? But whatever it is, we all have different starting points in life, okay? So that, this ABC, I didn't have the space to do the whole thing, represents life, death, Z, perfection, right? So Matthew 5 does call us to be perfect. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so everyone starts at a different spot on this journey. And what I mean by that is, we don't all have the same beginnings. We don't all have the same beginnings. We have different family histories. We're born into different cultures, different places of the world. And depending on that, your status, like different financial situations, your status, your beginning, your opportunities, the talents and gifts and abilities that you have are going to be different. So what if you're sitting here and, and you were born into a family where you were abused horrifically by your parents or by a father figure? And if that's you, my heart goes out to you. And I hope you have allowed Jesus into that spot already. But if you haven't, I, I know because I've met with people like this, you might be struggling. I say, you just got to get in here and sit at the base of the mountain. You got to grow that relationship with Jesus. And everything in you says, I want to, but I can't. I want to, but I can't. There's this thing inside. I, I sit before him and I, I get so overwhelmed. I, I, I don't even know what it is. And it's probably that you're worried somehow that he's going to do the same thing to you, your heavenly father that your earthly father did. You might be starting at A. Don't hear my story and where I started. Well, you were a drug addict and you did lots of terrible things. and You were a drug dealer. And look how fast you move forward. Yeah, look at the family I was born into. I don't know what abuse is like. At all. I know what it's like to be loved. I know what it's like to be the apple of someone's eye. To have parents that took the time to get into my world. So I started maybe a little further ahead. And then there's different gifts and talents given. So whatever it is, the point is some of you start at A, some of you at D, some at F, G, whatever, maybe not too much further than that. A starting point, I can't, you can't get too far in your starting point. This is the point. Wherever you are, what does God expect of you? And this is the point. Forward progress. If you're at A, what's the next step? B. You know what, if you were that person I just described starting at A and I've met with some of those, maybe the first step is actually just coming to the prayer room once a week and sitting in there for an hour and doing nothing but sit. You just soak there in the presence of Jesus. And if you can do that, then don't compare yourself with, you know, you're always talking about, like, you spend time every day in the Lord with him. Yeah, don't, don't, don't look at me for that. I'm not you. You just say, Lord, this is what I have to offer. This is my best, and you give him that. That's all he wants. Now, of course, on there, you might say, what about sin? Yeah, when you sin, that's the whole point. We are sinners. You confess your sins, you get back up, and you keep moving forward. But you actually don't have to confess weaknesses and personality weaknesses. You don't have to confess your, your childhood, where you came from. Acknowledge it, yes. Make space for it, yes. Confess sin when it leads to that, absolutely yes, but then move forward with your next step. That's what God is asking us to do. Looking at my time here. Oh yeah, you know what's great? I'm preaching again, so if I don't get through the whole thing, <laughs> copy and paste for later. All right. <laughs> By the way, I absolutely like, I know, maybe I've said this here before. You know what I, you know what I know what the best part of preaching is? 
Do you want to know? This is not my notes. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you, because this is like, and I hope you get this in whatever God has called you to do. I think that's what happens. Whatever he's called you to do, doesn't matter the size or who's there, all that stuff, you will find unexplainable amount of life and joy in it. Like, it will just bring, oh, like a fire inside. Anyways, it doesn't matter how busy my week is or when I get to start. This week I started way late, way late. But whether I give them this much time or that much time, it doesn't change the process, it's always the same. You start, you get an idea, you're praying, you're praying, you're worship, lots of worship, pacing, and then he gives you an idea, and you get this idea, and you never get a message instantaneously. Never. Never does he allow me just to like come and oh, just write this all down, this is all simple stuff. By the time it's here, you're like, well, that's child's play, it's easy. Yeah, that's never how it comes. Then there's this like 24-hour period of pure wrestling, where you're wrestling and you're unsure and you're looking at it from this angle and that angle and then you think you chuck and delete that and then you add this and then you go here and then you try this angle and you don't and then you pray, you're back to prayer then you're like, stop, worship. Then you put it down to bed and you get back up the next day and you go at it again but you know what it does? He takes words up here, words from in here and the wrestling brings them into your heart. He actually ties emotion and feeling to it. It's the most wonderful thing. Oh. <laughs> So by the time you get up here, I'm just totally jazzed. Had you talked to me yesterday, it wouldn't have looked that way. <laughs> All right. God is good, amen? Yeah. But this is, look, this is really what we're getting at. We're just jars of clay. My jar is cracks all over it. I'm a crackpot. <laughs> That's okay. Because there's a real treasure inside. And it's not me. It's him. No matter how many cracks you have, how imperfect your pot is, right? Don't worry about it. It's not about you. It's about him. You just say, Lord, my, my, my jar clay, this clay jar is open to you, however you want to use it. He will fill that thing with glory, and you just watch what he does in your life. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? God. And not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know what? I experienced that lots. Many of you experienced that. Not to the full extent, as Paul did. Absolutely not. Many of us felt like we experienced that the last couple of years. Right? Do you ever felt that? Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. It's like there's this heavy weight on you, and you should just crush. But somehow, it's just not crushing you. Oh, God is faithful. Anyways. So, yes plus action equals Holy Spirit working in us equals bearing much fruit. That's Acts 5.32 from last week, right? The Holy Spirit whom God gives to those who obey. So we ask for him, but we actually have to obey. And obviously we can't be perfect in it. You can't be. We should strive to be, but you can't be. You can't be, but we can offer our lives, like Romans 12 says, a spiritual worship and, allow, worship and allow God to do the rest. That's really what he's expecting of us. I'm going to give you one more picture here to really illustrate this point, and then we'll move on. Because I want us to get it. Are, are you getting the whole ABCs again? Some of you have seen it before from 11 years ago. Some of you, it was new. He wants you to take that next step. I can't tell you what your next step is. Unless you're not spending time with the Lord. If you're not growing your relationship with him, that one I can tell you. If you're struggling in sin, I can tell you that too. Repent. Turn from it with all of your might. Tell someone. Open it up. Watch what God does. Beyond that, the Lord has to be the one instructing you in what it looks like. Let me show you a picture. It's beautiful, isn't it? I drew that before I came up here today. <laughs> this, I didn't actually. I still have it though. Uh, this came from a two-year-old and four-year-old, Caitlin and Kiana, my two middle daughters. And you can see which one, you know, who is coloring on the four-year-old. And then you can see where the two-year-old took over. Can you, can you guys notice it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah. So why do I love this picture? Because it came to me like this. Daddy, look what we made for you. Daddy. They don't say that anymore like that. I miss it. They grow up so fast, amen? <laughs> but anyways... It comes to me like this. Daddy, look what I made for you. Remember, I want you to look at this pass-fail here, okay? So if you're an art critic in here, be honest. Did they ruin this color by number? Oh, yeah. They ruined it. Like, they ruined it bad. Like, it, I think it was worth a dollar before from the dollar store. I think we, we might have to pay them a dollar. Like, this is bad. They ruined it. You can hardly even see what it... it I actually don't even know. It's a sandcastle for sure. That might be a hippopotamus. 
Uh, I don't know, whatever the... People can recognize that? Well, sorry, I'm not educated in backyardigans. I don't even know what that is. I don't endorse backyardigans. I'm, I'm just trying to make a point here, okay? So <laughs> just want to be clear here. The point is, you look at this thing, and it's ruined. They've colored outside of the lines. You know, and you could look at this maybe different ways. I know I've used the picture of a drawing before. Uh, maybe, maybe the lines, the, the color by number, the lines are the law, right? And so obviously when we color outside the lines, you have to confess. And maybe the inside of the lines is your strengths. And you can see even when they're inside the lines, the colors are all wrong. Sand, they kind of got right-ish. What is my point here? My point is, when my kids give me this, I don't feel any sense of disappointment. Not even an ounce of disappointment. In fact, I beam with pride. I'm so pleased when they give me their best effort. Like, so pleased, beyond pleased. These are the moments I long for as a parent. Where they see me and they, right? They, they just, kids don't give very much. They don't. They cost a lot, but they don't give very much. But these things, when they give, it, when they give you these, it's like all the cost was worth it. Everything you pour into them was worth it, and you do it again times 10. And that's your Father's heart, your Heavenly Father's heart towards you. You might be sitting here and you're so wrapped up in shame and guilt. You feel so inadequate, God could never use you. He doesn't want what you have to offer. Maybe that's even the reason why you don't wake up and spend time with Him. Because it just reminds you of all the things you aren't. And you don't feel drawn in, you just feel condemned and pushed down. Because your picture of God is like this. It's tiny. It's small. But think about this. Think of the cost that he spent. We don't give him anything that great. What do you have to offer the God that owns everything? Even to be made right with him, he had to do the work for you. He had to take a cross. He had to take your shame and my shame. He has to do everything. So what do we give as a response? <laughs> Our very best effort. We say, thank you, Daddy. This is what we have. Yes, Lord, I will. And I'm going to keep getting back up. You say, I've fallen into the same sin a thousand times. Then the thousand and one time you fall into that sin, you get back up, you confess, and you say, God, you're worth it. I'm going to keep living for you. And you try again. And he loves that heart that tries again, that doesn't give up. He loves it. All right. <sighs> See, yes, Lord, I will, is key to making disciples. So, right, it is, yes, Lord, in the ordinary is the key to actually allowing God and to seeing him do the extraordinary in your life. <laughs> it totally is. And by the way, I could have just called that it's key to feeling and experiencing joy. You want to experience the fullness of joy? Just stay with him. Galatians 5 says, how do you stay with him? Keep in step with the Spirit. It means wherever he goes, you go. Yeah. Yes, Lord, I will. That's how you do that. Yes, Lord, in obedience and all things, it's the key to fulfilling God's mission. Okay, so now I'm going to give you some stories from last week. This is where I wanted to kind of uh, talk about it because I want you to really get it, how this could work. So I have a friend, Nico Friesen. Probably many of you know him and some of you don't. That's okay. But Nico lived with us for a while and the first time I met him was actually here. I think it was one of the police, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the constables here had brought him to the church. I forget what the exact deal was, but essentially he had a choice, jail or church, something to that effect, and he chose church. Good choice. <laughs> Anyhow, that's where I met Nico, and uh, Nico, we, have a, <laughs> we have a good relationship, and we've been through a lot. And he lived with us, my wife's shaking her head, and there was lots of things and shenanigans that happened when he lived with us as well. That was also a long time ago for me. Point is, Nico's journey was like this, like many of yours and like mine. And Nico, on his journey, when he first gave his life to Christ, he was just pumped. I remember that was when Hillsong came out with that Firefall Down. And I remember worshiping with him at Saturates and Firefall Down. And it was genuine. And you could see God was doing a work in his life. And then suddenly he'd slip, he'd relapse and get back into drugs and hang out with the wrong friend, go in the wrong crowd, and he'd spiral and he'd just shoot away from the Lord. I remember one conversation with Nico, and he told me, I don't believe in any of that, that 
stuff anymore. And uh, I, I just called him on it. I said, you can't even lie to me about that. Man, I was with you. I've been with you in the presence of God. I've seen your eyes. I've seen your heart. I've seen your tears. You can't even pretend. Who are you trying to fool? I know you believe. You're just, you're just resisting right now. And whatever, we pushed back and forth and all that kind of stuff. And this happened, this journey happened multiple times. I, he'd probably be able to correct you better than me, maybe five times. But the last time when he gave his life to Christ, and he's been following Jesus since. But the last time, that, that's the part I really remember. I remember being very grieved and I'm praying for him. And, you know, you're looking for, I mean, how do you do it, right? How do you keep the drawbridge down for someone but not enable? And, you know, trying to do that whole thing. And I just always wanted him to know that I love you no matter what you do. And when you want help, I'm here for you, Right? And so I was praying for him and looking for that ways. And I had this idea I'd heard, I had read a book somewhere uh, on, on prayer. And this guy had written prayers and he had put them places and stuff like that. We actually have written prayers in the foundation here or in the walls. I was looking at pictures of that just the other day. Many of you have your prayers that are in the concrete here. It's amazing. But so I'm reading about these written prayers and how they can change and the story of how this one guy had given his life to Christ and totally turned his life around from this written prayer. And I'm like, Lord, should I do that? And I have the idea you should write a, write a crafted prayer for Nico and write on there what you're trying to, what, what you, you know, listen and what do you want to see God do in his life. Write the whole thing out. And then I thought, oh, then I'll put it in his shoe. That's a good place to put it, right? I'll get it in his shoe. I didn't know how to get into his house. So now I'm praying for the opportunity. And you might be saying, okay, should I be writing notes? This is how you win someone to the Lord. No, that's not the point. The point isn't that. This is not magic. The point is I'm just illustrating what yes, Lord, plus action equals fruit can look like. So I'm praying and I'm pursuing him. I'm trying to love him the best of my ability. I'm not trying to be too preachy. I don't want to push him away. But I'm praying for an opportunity now. I need Nico to come over and I need a chance to put this prayer in his shoes. And so two weeks later, around there, something like that, he came over and he was just going to pop by. So he comes over, I'm barbecuing and he's outside and uh, I'm looking for ways to kind of edge us inside, right? I'm trying to usher us inside so he takes his shoes off. Like how do you tell the guy outside, take off your shoes and leave for a moment? <laughs> Weird, right? But I really feel like i got to get this prayer inside his shoes. So I'm like, ah, trying to get him. Oh, we should go inside, sit down. No, no, I don't have time. But then he ended up, you know those conversations? i got to leave in five minutes, and it's like an hour and 25 minutes later, and you're like, oh, we could have been inside. Anyways, anyways, I'm like, Lord, we're not going to get the opportunity. I'm like, please, I need something. And suddenly Nico looks at me, and he says, can I use the bathroom? Yes! Use the bathroom and take your shoes off. No shoes in the house. Lou will get mad. <laughs> Right? So he's got these Adidas sneakers on, you know, the classic Adidas kind of with the, the plastic or rubber cap. And he goes inside, shoes off, and he's walking up the stairs. We're in a bi-level. And so he's walking up, and I'm like diving on the floor. I have oil, right? Oil, because I'm going to anoint his shoes with oil, and then I'm going to put this prayer in the soles. So I am on the ground, and I go to grab his sh the, the sole. You know what the sole is? It's one of those glued-in soles. So I'm panicking. What do I, what, I mean, what are you going to do? Wreck the soul. That's what you're going to do. You just rip that thing out. I just <laughs> ripped it out, shoved that prayer inside. I'm anointing it with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying over this thing. I look up. My son's looking at me like, Dad, what are you doing? And he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, shh, shh, don't say a word. Don't say a word. I'll repair with you later. Anyhow, get the thing together. Stand up just in time for Nico to walk around the corner. And he puts his shoes on. You're like, that story's weird. Yeah, I know it's weird. It's totally weird. Remember the picture? Where was that picture? Are you seeing this in my story? <laughs> I am. But you want to know what this does when you give this to Jesus? Two weeks later, Nico turned his life back to the Lord. Two weeks later. Amen. Baby. Amen, baby. <laughs> They're in. They're like, I want to live a life like that. <laughs> yes, Lord, I will. This is key to making disciples is, is absolutely key to winning people for the lost. And you know what? Like sometimes we worry so much about the technique. The all, ah, all, there's so many good techniques out of there. Don't ever sin to win someone to the Lord. But anything else in between, whatever you feel like the Lord's asking you to do, you go and do those things and watch him bless that. You, you yes and action what he's asking you to do and you watch the Holy Spirit move in your life and start bearing fruit. And it doesn't always happen in a two-week timeline. My grandparents prayed for my uncle for their entire lives, and it was only when they were both passed on that they saw that prayer answered. But God honored every prayer prayed. He honored it. 
He'll honor yours too if you give it to him. I'll give you another story. Sorry, just give me one second. Eh, it'll all work. 2004. Pastor Ray is in White Rock. I've told maybe this story before, but I'm going to say it again because it illustrates it. Because I'm looking at big things, small things. The point is yes in all things. But 2004, he's in White Rock. And um, I'm the father of a one-year-old. I am unmarried at this point. <laughs> While he's in White Rock, I'm a drug dealer. I think my wife maybe had just given her life to Christ. Or my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> Hi, honey. Anyways... It's kind of in that, it's, it's the beginning of 2004, and lots happened in, 2000, in 2004. We got married, and then I gave my life to Christ later on. She got uh, um, saved earlier on. Point is, anyways, Pastor Ray, beginning of 2004, he's in White Rock. And he's listening to the Holy Spirit and, and praying for the church, and he's already been allowing the Holy Spirit to work through his life and ministry here at, at the church as he's been leading. And it's been working. The church is growing, people are changing, um, but, but they're at a crossroads. And it was there that the Lord said, it's time for you to tell the church who you've been listening to. And Pastor Ray was at that crossroads. We're all at crossroads at different times in our lives. Something I'd love to say, though, is but we're always one choice away from making the right decision. It's the beautiful thing about a relationship with God. doesn't matter how far you go away, you're one choice away from making the right decision. And that's where Pastor Ray was, like that spot that all of us get to, one choice away, right? Do I say yes? Do I say no? The Lord says, what's it to you, Ray? The, Pastor Ray says, but Lord, if I tell them and they don't, we're not that kind of church and they chase me out, if they chase me out, then what? Now they don't have any leader that's following you. The Lord said, what's that to you? Oh, yes and obey. That's how it works. That's how it works. And so he brought it to the board first and uh, worked through a process there. And once they were ready, then they brought it in, like once they were all in agreement, which they were, and they brought it into the church. And out of that came a series on spiritual warfare, the set free, the hearing God, the empower, the prayer summits. Anyone in here been impacted by those? Anyone? One yes. But you know what else was hanging in the balance? They had been praying for years, a decade, for their, for their youngest son, who seemed like the more they prayed, the worse he got. The more they prayed, the harder and further he'd fall. And I was falling, and I was spiraling. And they're praying and pleading with the Lord. I believe they were fasting one day a week. They had been for years. My parents could correct me if I was wrong on that, but they, I know they did for a chunk of years. At this point, they're praying and fasting and pleading for my salvation. In 2004 in White Rock, when the Lord's saying, bring me into the church, he did not say, if you say yes here, I'm going to use the ministry that's going to happen out of Southland to, to, to be ready so that you can have like the, the tools needed to help someone find freedom and grow in their relationship with God. And that's going to impact this prayer that you have for your son. Your son who's wayward, is going to, I'm going to call him home, and now you're going to have the ability to help him. So saying yes to uh, Ray, if you say yes to me here, your son's going to get saved over here. Right? Can you imagine if the Lord would, would make deals with us like that? We'd probably all do it, right? Just like I said for the billion dollars before, but he doesn't. He leaves us with this sometimes grayness, this it's opaque. You can't see it. You can't see what's ahead. And he says, are you going to trust me? That's what faith is all about. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to step out? He didn't know. He thought it was a yes just about the church. Little did he know that his yes there brought in the tools and allowed the Holy Spirit to come in now and bear fruit in this church that got this church ready to handle someone as messed up as I was. And in 2004, right when I gave my life to Christ in August, that's right when they started a series on spiritual warfare, which was exactly what I needed. I needed deliverance. There was demonic deliverance that I went through in that first three months. That's a story for another time. That was incredible. What God did there was incredible. Changed my life forever. Both stories, yes, plus obedience, equal people coming to the Lord. Fruit. Both stories. Do you know lost people? Are they worth risking a yes with a bit of action? It's an adventure anyways. You know, volunteers example. My wife sent me a voice note just the other day, and I'm pretty sure today. Yeah, anyways, no, that's no, all good. I was trying to communicate there. Did you see that with my wife? <laughs> Hi to those online. That must have looked extremely awkward. <laughs> anyways. 
She sends me a voice note the other day, very excited, and she's like, you, oh, just saw something so amazing. One of our volunteers here, who I'm pretty sure was here today. Anyways, nameless volunteer right now, because they don't know I'm sharing this. I saw them at the grocery store, and they saw two, a couple who needed food. And I saw them go up to the couple and say, I don't have money, but if you come inside, we'll buy you groceries. And so they went inside and got groceries, and they had grabbed a couple of things, and they were insisting, here, take some more. Take some fruit and vegetables. Like, take some more. It's, all, it's okay. I'll pay for it. And my wife's sitting there like, oh, my goodness, this is a young guy. Like, maybe I should go pay. And then she stopped herself and said, no, no, this is his. He gets the blessing in this one, right? That's what it is. To lay yourself out on the altar like that, it's a blessing. You don't want to rob that from someone. Anyways, so that's what happens here, and that's the most amazing thing. You know why it's amazing? Take a look at this. <clears throat> If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, right? Saying, oh, yeah, the church should be, we, we love the poor. We love the needy. Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah, I want, I want people who are in need to find help. I want that. I want to be a part of a church like that. What he's saying here, though, if then you drive by them and you see them in need and you do nothing, what good is that? It's words. What good is that? Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So faith also by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This young man, he added a yes and action to that verse. And it bore fruit. Look what it did. First off, that couple encountered Jesus. I don't know if he even said the word Jesus. doesn't have to. In John, it says, Those who believe in me, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within. That means... By simply responding and allowing God to use him, that couple was impacted by the Holy Spirit himself. I have talked to many people that have said, there's something different about you, and I always point them right back to, oh, it's not me, trust me. I mean, there is something different about me too. <laughs> That's the odd part. But despite those things... What you're seeing that's attractive is actually Jesus, and that's what this young man had. So the couple is blessed and encounters Jesus in a way that's very much, I would say, great command and great commission. That's very much both. And then my wife was blessed because she saw this. She voice noted me. I was blessed by listening to it. I was so encouraged. I sent it, without asking my wife, sorry about that. I sent it to all of our staff. They were blessed. And now here this morning, I'm going to say it to two services and all of you are going to be blessed. And you know what you're going to feel inside? I want an opportunity to do that. I want to show Jesus to the world like that. I want, Lord, oh, I want, show me someone that I can do that too. I bet you there's people in here that are feeling that right now because the model and example of one, of one young man that says yes plus action allows the Holy Spirit to work in his life. We way overcomplicate things sometimes. We have two staff. One staff, Vanessa, just came back from a missions trip. She said yes to going on missions. Put a pause here on the work that was to be done here to go and do missions somewhere else, to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Go into all the nations. Yes, Lord, I'm willing. What do you want to do through my life? We have another staff. That's Vanessa, Miles. Miles is going, I think, this week. I'm not sure when, but I think this is, Miles, you here? Miles. Miles is going on missions. Isn't that awesome? He's saying yes, and he's going out. He's going out saying, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. I love that. All of these examples, different examples, at the grocery store, saying yes to going out to another place. It's that diagram we talked about, right? It's this. We're back to it. We be discipled. We're saying yes. So maybe you're at the spot where you're so wrapped up in an addiction or you don't know Jesus. You're your yes is going to just be investing time into a relationship with Jesus, investing into a path of healing. Sure. Or you're investing into family and friends or, or strangers or neighbors. Or you're already at that spot where you feel God's calling you to go out to the nations. You're saying, Lord, I want to, here I am, use me. Whatever it is, one yes, one yes, plus action is all it takes to begin. By the way, all of these are following Jesus' example. Philippians 2, 4-8, let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to what? Interests of others. Let's say that together. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. There we go. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Okay? He modeled for us, right? He corrected what the first Adam got wrong. The second Adam modeled for us how we're supposed to do it. And in the garden, we see it in the best possible way. If, this, if it be possible, let this cup be taken from you, but not as I will, but as you will. 
And, and we see it also in John, John 5, 19. Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but whatever he sees the Father doing, so the Son does likewise. Jesus modeled a life on mission. He modeled, yes, Lord, I will, and, and calls all who would apprentice under him to do the same. We'll talk about that word apprentice. I'm taking it from, a, from an author because I love it. It's a great way to look at disciples. We're apprenticing under Jesus. This is my challenge to us, church. This year, let's give him a blank check that says, yes, Lord, I will. In the ordinary, in the process of being discipled, and in the process of making disciples, Lord, whatever you have for us, we want to be that kind of church. The harvest is plentiful. There is much at stake. And God looks throughout the world looking for men and women, young and old, doesn't matter your age, who will answer the call and say, here I am, Lord, send me. We're going to pray one prayer together, our church-wide prayer request, I put it at the end. And then we're going to sing a song together and close this service. And this is what we're going to pray for. If you want to stand with me now. Great commission, great command. Number one prayer request is great command and the great commission. But we're going to look at discipleship here. Let's pray that everyone would have a clear step this year. Everyone would have a clear step in this place of what it looks like for them to take the next step forward, saying yes to the Lord. That we would love sharing Jesus with people, that it would become our greatest joy, and that we would engage in the mission field that he's given us. Are you ready to pray in unison together, church? Let's pray in unison. If you're comfortable doing it out loud, do it. And if not in your spirit, let's do it in three, two, one. Let's pray together. mission field around us, Lord. The mission fields are right in front of us. They are at our homes. We'll go home to a mission field today. Our neighborhoods. Lord, the streets here in Steinbeck, the workplaces, the buildings, the places, the people. There are mission fields all around us, this region. And Lord, the harvest is plentiful. And you said the laborers were, were few and it grieved your heart. So today, Lord, we say together, here we are, Lord, send us.